It is good to see everybody here. It's good to see so many young people sitting up front this afternoon. If you have your Bible, open it up to Genesis chapter 1. We'll begin our study here in just a moment. Genesis chapter 1, and we'll begin in verse number 1 here in just a moment. For those who may be visiting, thank you for being here as well. God is good. We are certainly blessed here at the West Main Congregation, blessed with so many young people, and we appreciate all the young people and we just want you to know that. And so we're going to dive into the Word of God here in just a moment. I want to begin by talking about a great trip to take, if you have not taken this trip yet, uh, in the state of Texas. You don't have to go outside of the state of Texas. You can stay right here. And I'm referring to visiting Glen Rose State Park. I went there a number of years ago, and the photos behind me are, are some of the things that you will see there at Glen Rose State Park. I went there with a number of members from church along with, uh, with Nikki and then a couple of years ago, uh, the three of us, me, Nikki, and Josh, all went there to Glen Rose State Park. We went there primarily because we wanted to see the dinosaur tracks. There is the Paluxy River that is in the state park, and you get to see the dinosaur tracks, which are really uh, amazing. Let me see this click. Oh, there it is. So this is at the beginning of the state park, and, and obviously you can see these dinosaur tracks, and you can see them right here uh, in the water. So when the Paluxy River is low enough, you can actually get into the river if you're brave enough. There are water moccasins in the river. I may say, some people may say, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, and you do have a risk of falling down. Thankfully, I've successfully uh, stayed, uh, stayed upright twice in there, but it's really slippery. But if you have the courage to go there, you get to see real dinosaur tracks. And I will tell you, it really is an amazing experience. You'll feel the, the warmth of the water against your legs. You'll feel the slippery riverbed as you try to walk. You'll feel the heat of the sun bearing down on your head and your shoulders. You'll see small frogs swimming around you. Hopefully you won't see any snakes. If you see those, you're in trouble. But when you look up and when you look around, you'll see that you're essentially between these two great walls uh, as the river is just going through uh, the park where you can pluck out fossils from them. You're going to hear the slow current of the water, and you're going to hear something else. You're going to hear a lot of, wow, and you're going to hear a lot of, are you serious? That's what people typically say when they actually see these dinosaur tracks for the very first time because it is amazing to be able to walk in these dinosaur tracks that are there. There's a place in the Paluxy River that is called the ballroom. Maybe some of you guys are familiar with this. It's called the ballroom because there are so many dinosaur tracks. There's just tons and tons of, of dinosaur tracks. So when you get to this area of the river, it appears like the dinosaurs were dancing. And so they have called this the ballroom because there's just countless dinosaur tracks uh, that you will see. And there are big tracks and there are small tracks. And you'll see the imprint of the nails of these massive animals that have been left behind. These, these footprints are so big, you can sit down in them. And you can see that with that photo there. I want to just share with you real quickly. Oh, there's one of our paleontologists, Joshua. He got into the water a couple of years ago, and I was really proud of him for getting in the water. And, you know, the young people, we all went with uh, a bunch of the young people, and it was a really great time. Here is a, a photo of the Paluxy River. And, and what some of those tracks are going to look like in the Paluxy River. It really is uh, an amazing thing to see. Uh, here's another one of the, the tracks that uh, you can see underwater. 
and uh, what type of dinosaur that would uh, represent. And, and it's just, it's just mind-boggling. You hear about dinosaurs, you read about dinosaurs, but being able to actually see the, the tracks themselves uh, is really powerful. Can you guys see that there? Uh, you can see the, the outline of this track right here. And just look how big uh, that really is. And it's just, again, as you're walking, and that's part of the reason why some people fall when they're in the Paluxy River, because you're walking in some of those tracks. And so you can see how deep uh, they really are. Uh, here is an example of just how big they are compared to, uh, to someone's feet there. Uh, but just, you know, you can see the detail and how, uh, how deep those tracks really go. So there's another example there. Uh, and again, comparing it to, to someone's foot, these are some really big, these are some big dinosaur tracks that you get to see firsthand. I think we need to make some type of trip here. Parents need to get something together. We need to take the kids here. Hey, what do you see when you look at that photo? What's that look like? It looks like dinosaur tracks and human footprints. And this has created a lot of controversy in the, I guess, the last few decades here. Uh, but you, you used to be able to see this, the Taylor Trail uh, at the Paluxy River, a series of 14 sequential human footprints on the same platform with at least 134 dinosaur tracks. Now, if my memory is correct, and you guys can fact check me on this, okay, uh, someone destroyed that. They destroyed it. So you can't go there today and see it. When we went there a few years ago, and even five, six years ago, it's no longer there. And I think part of the reason why that was destroyed is because that's some pretty powerful evidence there, right? This whole idea, what's often taught is what? That dinosaurs came millions and millions of years before man. And yet what we find there is something uh, different, and we'll talk more about that. And you can do your own research with that. But, uh, but there's just so much to see there uh, at the Paluxy River. Uh, it seems like dinosaurs seem to be really popular again, uh, that there's so much interest when it comes to dinosaurs, television shows and, and movies and things like that. And I, I know a lot about dinosaurs. You guys know that? I know a lot about dinosaurs because I have one that lives with me, okay? Uh, I won't name his name, but he's sitting right there. But I know a lot about dinosaurs because my son wants to be a paleontologist, and he, he's fascinating. You guys all know how he roars because his photos are on Facebook. But what does the Bible have to say about dinosaurs? Have you thought about that? When were these animals created? There are a lot of different views that are out there. And where does the Bible fit when it comes to these massive creatures? I want to talk a little bit about dinosaurs. And this is geared towards or for the young people here today. Your faith is going to be tested. And while some of you are very young, and it's going to be years before maybe even get into some of these conversations about the creation account and evolution, you will face some questions like these, particularly like dinosaurs, a question of dinosaurs. But it's not just for the young people. There are plenty of adults that have questions about dinosaurs, and there are so many beliefs that are out there, so we need to make sure that we know what the Bible has to say and that we trust what God's Word has to say. There are answers that are given to us in the Word of God. And so while this is a lesson about dinosaurs, it's also a lesson about God's Word and whether or not we're going to truly trust what God has to say in His Word. So I want to begin in Genesis chapter 1, and here's what I want to do. And for all the young people who are sitting up front, if you have your Bible, open it up to Genesis chapter 1. I see some of you are taking notes, which is great. I want to encourage everybody to take some notes. And I want to read Genesis chapter 1. 
I've noticed in times past that uh, I can reference Genesis chapter 1 and sermons and things like that, but I think there's something good about just reading the entire chapter. And as we're reading this, I want you to see what we might be able to learn about creation and what the Bible has to say pertaining to dinosaurs. So let's look at Genesis chapter 1 and let's read together. The Bible says in verse number one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning one day. Then God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters. God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse from the waters which were above the expanse and it was so, verse eight. God called the expanse heaven and there was evening and there was morning a second day. Then God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the gathering of the waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind, and trees bearing fruit with seed in them after their kind. And God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a third day. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Verse 15, and let them be for lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth, and it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He made the stars also. God placed them in the expanse of the heavens to give light on the earth and to govern the day and the night and to separate the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. There was evening and there was morning a fourth day. Then God said, let the waters tempt with swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth in the open expanse of the heavens. God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves with which the water swarmed after their kind and every winged bird after its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them saying, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters and the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. There was evening and there was morning a fifth day. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so God made the beasts of the earth after their kind and the cattle after their kind and, and everything that creeps on the ground after its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth, and subdue it, and rule over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the sky, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Stay with me, verse 29. 
Then God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the surface of all the earth, and every tree which has fruit yielding seed, it shall be food for you. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the sky, and to everything that moves on the earth which has life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw that all, God saw all that He had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, sixth the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth, chapter two, verse one, were completed, and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed His work which He had done, and and He rested on the seventh day from all His work which He had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because in it He rested from all His work which God had created and made. This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made earth and heaven. Let's talk a little bit about the word dinosaur. Did you guys see that word dinosaur in chapter 1 and chapter 2? What verse is it in? Well, I didn't read about that. I didn't see that word either, right? And a lot of people say, well, wait a second. I read Genesis chapter 1. And I read Genesis chapter 2, and I don't see that word dinosaur. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. As we talk about dinosaurs, there's something for us to consider. And the first thing to see is that this word is not found in the Bible. It's not found in Genesis. It's not found in the New Testament. But that doesn't mean that dinosaurs were not created in the beginning with everything else, including man. In fact, when you dive into this a little bit more, there's a reason why this word was not even coined until 1842. And we all know, right, that the Bible had been written way before 1842. Now, what a lot of people like to do, they say, well, listen, I don't see the word dinosaur in my Bible, which means, you know, God doesn't have anything to say about this. And And maybe evolution is true. That's not true at all. The word itself was not coined until 1842 by paleontologist Richard Owen. And so that's something very important that we need to know. When we read the creation account, we need to see that dinosaurs were there in the beginning, that God created all things in the beginning in those six days. That's something very important. And so make sure you take note of this, that this word wasn't even being used until 1842. But let's go back to the creation account and let's make sure that we understand something. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Be very sure about this, that dinosaurs that they were created in the beginning. And when I say in the beginning, I'm referring to everything we just read in Genesis chapter 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we got all those details about what was created, and those details would also include dinosaurs. Everything that was created was created in those six days. Now, what's the challenge with that? Have you guys ever been to the Perot Museum in Dallas? Yep, a lot of people have been there. You know, they teach a lot of things at the Perot Museum, right? That dinosaurs existed what? Millions and millions of years before man. 60 to 70 millions of years. It's a marketing of evil. This is, this, is, this is said everywhere. It's in textbooks, in schools. It's in movies. It's in books. It's in te- TV shows. And if you're not careful, eventually you just kind of think, well, this is just what I have always heard. That there was this huge gap between dinosaurs, right? 70 million years before they were uh, before man was created, but that is not what the Bible teaches. What we find are all the the basic kinds of living creatures that were created in 6 days. 
That would include the dinosaurs. You go back to Genesis chapter 1. Go back and look at verse number 24. Then God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures after their kind, cattle and creeping things and beasts of the earth after their kind. And it was so. And verse 26, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. That would include the dinosaurs, my friends. All these things were created in the beginning. And this is something so important. And for some people, they may say, that just seems off. Because everybody has this view that they came 70 million years before man. That can't be right. Well, we're all going to have to make a choice. What are we going to believe? And what so many people may be saying? Or what is it that God has said to us in his word? We have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. And I want you to think about this. What did Jesus believe? What did Jesus believe about the creation account? And what did he believe about man and all those things that were created? Here's another verse I want you guys to write down. Mark chapter 10 and verse number 6. I think this is really powerful. And I think there's something really important for all the young people and parents for that matter. And for those who may even have some questions about this. It's not just for young people. There are adults that have questions about this. And sometimes there can even be Christians who just kind of assume, of course, they lived millions of years before man. That's not the case. That's not what the Bible teaches at all. Now, while Jesus was speaking about marriage and divorce in Mark chapter 10, and we're not going to dive into that, I do want you to notice what he said in verse number 6. Mark chapter 10, verse number 6. Jesus, as he's speaking about marriage and divorce, he says, But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. He didn't say that three times. I said it three times because I want you to know something. From the beginning of creation. What he's helping us to see here is that man has been around since, since the beginning. You guys see that? From the beginning, he created male and female which means there's no gap between the, the age of the dinosaurs and the age of men. Jesus said that man has existed from the beginning. Therefore, dinosaurs that did not come 60 million years or 70 million years, and man kind of popped up later on. No, he said from the beginning, God made them male and female. And so what we can learn from this, and this is the thing that sometimes is very challenging for a lot of people. You mean to tell me that dinosaurs and men lived on the earth at the same time? That's exactly what I'm telling you. And I believe that's exactly what the Bible is helping you to see. Furthermore, I want you to think about this. Go back to Genesis chapter 1. In six days, God created all things, right? As you think about this concept of days, one of the arguments that is out there is that, well, these days may be representing millions and millions of years. That's not the case either. When we look at these six days, I believe we need to view these days as literal 24-hour days. And the reason why I say that is because if these days represent millions and millions of years, there's a verse in Genesis chapter 1, I don't know if you picked up on it, those in the Bible marking class, a time reference. That's going to pose a lot of problems, right? In Genesis chapter 1, look at verse number 14. Then God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days 
and years. Now think about that. If we were to view Genesis chapter 1 and say, well, these days were just millions of years, then how do we even try to figure out how long a year is? You see the dilemma with that? This idea, well, maybe there's something in the beginning that these days were just millions of years and the dinosaurs came before man. No. All these, all these things were created in six days. And so when you think about this idea of days, we're not talking millions of years. We're talking a 24-hour time period. And if we try to interpret that in some different way, then we're going to have a lot of problem with trying to figure out what a year actually is and how long that time frame is. Does that make sense? There's another text I want you to think about in Exodus chapter 20. And I'm just showing you these examples here. You guys may be thinking, well, what's the big deal about all this? The big deal is you're going to be bombarded with this as you get older, if you haven't already been. And depending on books and television shows, this is what you hear. I guarantee it because I've listened to a lot of dinosaur shows, okay? And that's what they teach over and over again, 60 to 70 million years, and then man came along. That's not the case. What we find is that dinosaurs and man, they were created in those six days. Now, in Exodus chapter 20, this is an interesting text because in Exodus Exodus chapter 20, Moses wrote Genesis, and he also wrote Exodus. In Exodus chapter 20, as the Ten Commandments are being given, Moses is going to remind the people that they are to observe the Sabbath day, right? God created everything in six days. He rested on the the seventh day, the Sabbath day. Now look at verse number eight. And again, this is a good example of the time reference here. In Exodus chapter 20 and verse number eight, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, how often would the Sabbath day come? It would come every week, right? And they would be able to distinguish and know when that time period came, the Sabbath day. Now watch what he does. He goes back to the beginning. In verse number nine, he says, six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall, do, you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male or your female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. That's Genesis chapter one. The sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So what I want you to take from this is that That dinosaurs were created in the beginning. There was no 70 or 60 million year gap between dinosaurs and man. They were created in those six days. And now somebody may be thinking, come on, do you really believe that dinosaurs and man live together? Haven't you seen the T-Rex, man? I mean, haven't you seen the Velociraptor? I mean, you know these animals, right? Well, this is what the Bible teaches. And the challenge for you is being sure that you're not deceived by all the other different voices that are out there in the world, that you first need to know what the standard has to say, the Bible, all right? And this is really important. So what's the point of all this? Dinosaurs were created in the beginning with man. And when you look at the Genesis account, when you look at other passages like Exodus, when you listen to what Jesus said, these animals and man, they were created uh, in those six days, which meant that these animals and man, they lived together. Somebody may be thinking, don't you sound a little foolish saying that? Not at all. Because that's what the Word of God is teaching us. Now, the objective that a lot of people are going to say, how can man and these creatures live together at once? And I would just respond with two words very carefully. You guys laugh, but isn't that, I mean, wouldn't that be true, right? 
We don't know all the dynamics about where all the animals may have been and things like that, but no matter what the animal was, wouldn't you have to live very carefully? Uh, Think about us today. We live with huge, aggressive, poisonous kinds of animals, do we not? And we have to be careful. We have to navigate when it comes to sharks. Anybody going swimming with the sharks? See, no, we don't do that. We want to be very careful. We have to navigate when it comes to sharks or with whales or Komodo dragons or elephants or lions and other fierce animals. When I went out to Africa, I got to go and see the lions. I was not hanging out with them and trying to pet them. All right, there was a big divide between me and those animals. We live with these kinds of animals very carefully. My point is this, that God created the, the dinosaurs and he created man in the six days. Which means that, yes, these animals were on the earth at the same time that man was on the earth. You see, we need to make sure that we trust what God has to say. Now, there's another argument out there. I want you guys to write this down. Maybe you've heard about this before. Theistic evolution. Well, maybe God got things started and then just kind of let evolution kind of play its course. And maybe that's how we can piece all these pieces together or fit all these pieces together. That doesn't fit either. Because when we read Genesis chapter 1, we see how God created all these animals and birds and sea monsters and man upright. And so what the Bible has to say is true. And you guys are going to have to make a choice about that. What God says is true. And what Jesus believed is that what the Genesis account says is accurate. So when we think about dinosaurs... We need to know that that term is not found in the scriptures, but make no mistake about it, the Bible does talk about dinosaurs, that they were created in the beginning. And I think we can go even one step further in the fact that the Bible depicts dinosaurs living among men. Now, we don't see the word dinosaur, but I think we can find some animals that appear to look like what a dinosaur would look like. You guys know where I'm going, right? I'm going to the book of Job. Turn over to Job chapter 40. Write this verse down or write this chapter down, Job chapter 40. As God was speaking to Job, Job wanted to talk to God, and God would give, give him his request, although it was God who did all the talking. But nonetheless, God is going to set out to demonstrate that he is God and that Job really doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. And he's going to discuss the animal kingdom. I think he talks about maybe 70 different animals. And there is a, an animal in here described as a behemoth. And in my margin, it says the hippopotamus. However, I don't believe it's talking about a hippopotamus, okay? Now, I want you just to listen to the description of this animal and, and, and how it seems to fit what a dinosaur would look like. Behold now, behemoth, which I made as well as you, he eats grass like an ox. Behold now, his strength is in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He bends his tail like a cedar. That should be something we need to pause because a hippopotamus does not have a tail like that. Uh, Job chapter 40, beginning in verse number 15. Let's start over. In Job 40 and verse 15, Job said, or God said, Behold now, behemoth, which I made as well as you. He eats grass like an ox. Behold now, his strength is in his loins and his power in the muscles of his belly. He bends his tail like a cedar. Hippopotamus doesn't have a tail like that, all right? That's a really big tail, okay? 
The sinews of his thighs are knit together. His bones are tubes of bronze. His limbs are like, are like bars of iron. He is the first of the ways of God, like his maker bring near his sword. Surely the mountains bring him food, and all the beasts of the field play there. Under the lotus plants he lies down in the covert of the reeds in the marsh. The lotus plants cover him with shade. The willows of the brook surround him. If a river rages, he's not alarmed. He's confident, though the Jordan rushes to his mouth. Can any anyone capture him when he is on watch with barbs? Can anyone pierce his nose? This description here I think is really powerful, particularly with how the tail is described. And most people will read this and say, well, that's a hippopotamus. But there seems to be something far greater than a hippopotamus. Hippos have been said to weigh about four tons. Dinosaurs could weigh almost 30 tons. There's a huge distinction that could be made here. This animal is so powerful that no man is able to capture him, according to verse number 24. This animal is fed by the vegetation of the whole mountains, while I believe hippos stay near to the water. And so there's something being described here that is powerful, that is mighty, that is massive, and that is in the days of Job that Job would have been aware about. And Job chapter 41, we read about another animal, Leviathan. Can you draw out Leviathan, verse 1, with a fish hook or press down his tongue with a cord? Can he put a rope in his nose or pierce his jaw with a hook? Will he make many supplications to you or will he speak to you soft words? Will he make a covenant with you? Will you take him for a servant forever? Will you play with him as with a bird or will you bind him for your maidens? Will the traders bargain over him? Will they divide him among the merchants? Can he fill his skin with harpoons or his head with fishing spears? Lay your hand on him. Remember the battle. You will not do it again. Behold, your expectation is false. Will you be laid low even in the sight or even at the sight of him? No one is so fierce that he dares to arouse him. Who then is he that can stand before him? Who was given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. I will not keep silence concerning his limbs or his mighty strength or his orderly frame. Who can strip off his outer armor? Who can come within his double mail? Who can open the doors of his face around his teeth? There is terror. His strong scales are his pride, shut up as with a tight seal. One is so near to another that no air can come between them. They are joined one to another. They clasp each other and cannot be separated. He sneezes, flash forth light, and his eyes are like the eyelids of the morning. Out of his mouth go burning torches, sparks of fire leap forth. It goes on and on about this this amazing, massive animal. And in verse number 33, it says, Nothing on earth is like him, one made without fear. He looks on everything that is high. He is king over all the sons of pride. Folks, that sounds like something that would depict what a dinosaur would be like. And my point is this, and you can dive more into this, and you can take the time to really consider some of the things that he's saying. But God is going to go through all these different animals, and then he talks about these massive animals, which I believe are depicting some kind of dinosaur. And the reason why I wanted to show you this, and we could talk more about it later, is that when we think about this idea of dinosaurs, I think the biggest question, that's really kind of how I put all this together, is, all right, did they really live with man? And there's no dispute about it. Now, you may dispute about Leviathan and Behemoth. You can go ahead and do that. Uh, I don't think the hippopotamus argument is going to stand. But there's no dispute about this, that dinosaurs lived in the days of man. And they were created in the beginning. And this is what Jesus believed. And this is what the Holy Spirit has revealed. And so when it comes down to all of this, as we think about the dinosaurs, 
God wants you to believe his word. And he wants you to believe that his word is sufficient and that his word is true, no matter what so many other people may say. doesn't matter what some of your teachers may say or what some of the books you may read about or some of the movies you may watch. God's word is sufficient. Now, the question for all the young people here and really for all the adults, are we going to believe what the Bible has to say? We need to trust what God has to say about these animals and about everything that was created. And we also need to trust, us and trust what he has to say about salvation. We need to trust what God has to say in his word. That's my lesson. I appreciate your attention. And hold on to these thoughts. And if you have questions, we can talk more about it. But I think this is some good evidence to start as you start thinking about uh, creation and dinosaurs and evolution. Trust what God has to say in his word. Now, maybe someone here this afternoon has been thinking about salvation, has been thinking about what God has to say in his word about their soul salvation. Trust what God has to say. He says today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. He wants you to believe that. And he wants you to obey in him. And to the young people, some of you guys are on a journey right now. You're still learning some things. You're still maturing. And as you continue to grow, make sure that you keep God in the forefront of your, in, in the front at all times. So you are focused on him and you continue to learn more about who he is and what he has to say in his word. That you are made in his image. And that, my friend, is a really big deal. Let's trust what God says in his word. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing. Tis a brand new